If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4, we're beginning a study on what does it mean to have kingdom living, because we have finished um, this month our kingdom, uh, thy kingdom come, where we have been for the last three years uh, going through our capital campaign of praying for God's kingdom to come, and obviously we find ourselves here in this church, and as we kind of come to the end of giving our money, the question uh, kind of becomes then now, therefore, how should we live as become kingdom uh, citizens? And so uh, God's not just looking for great buildings, God is looking to make great people who are kingdom-focused, filled with the Holy Spirit, and are bold with the gospel message. And so we're going to be looking to kind of unpack that over the next few weeks of how do we live out this kingdom living? And so if we're honest, um, all of us can say at one point uh, we've had spiritual stagnation, whether it's us as individuals, whether it's the church individually or as a whole, or even nations have found themselves in times of spiritual stagnation. And so the question then becomes, do we become a church who just lingers in the past Are we a church who loves just the now and tries to take care of the now? Are we a church who longs to change the future with the power of Christ? And I don't know whether it was Harry Reader or Tim Keller, both have said this, but what they talked about was saying, do we have a church who cares about the moment, about maintenance, or about movement? And what that means is in regards to the moment is do we think of the church in regards to the past? This is how we were back in the day. This is when things were good. And again, this can be made up of anything. Obviously, we see the children of God in the Old Testament who even found themselves crying out to go back to slavery. I mean, how bad does it have to get that you say, hey, I know we used to be beat. I know we used to have to make these bricks and I know we were overwhelmed, but at least we had hot food. That's what really made things good for us. So it's, it's about a moment sometimes in our history. Sometimes it's about just simply maintenance, where we get to the point where we just simply want to maintain the things that are going on. So we become very self-focused and we become, how do I take care of the things now? How do I not lose these people? How do I, how do, I do things to make sure that I keep what I have? Or do we have a vision of being a church that is a movement to where we say, how are we going to be used by God to change this community? How are we going to be used by God to change Brevard County? How are we going to be used by God to change the world? Not just as Northside, but the picture is the kingdom and the church as a whole. So how do we find this movement? How do we begin to grasp the understanding that you are the missionaries? Not we send out missionaries, but you are the missionary. The question is, where has God sent you and placed you? So with that kind of setting, we come to Acts chapter 4. And this is one of the outpourings, again, where God comes and he meets them. So uh, Jim has read for us the, the beginning portion. And so they have healed the man, a crippled man. They are now finding themselves before the Sanhedrin, kind of giving a question. And now we find our passage this morning at starting at verse 23. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, 
Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we do come to your word, we know that we come to the author of this word. And Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would truly give us eyes to see and a heart to grasp the truths of what we were to hear this morning. Teach us, and Lord, may we truly cry out to be filled with boldness to speak the gospel both here and around the world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin to unpack this passage, the first thing we're going to see is that in all times, in all cases, where there is a spiritual stagnation, the people of God ultimately cry out to the Father. And so the first thing we're going to see is this crying out. When the people, when the disciples came back, they met with the people, and the first thing they do is they cry out to God. They pray. And so what they do is they want a filling of the focus on God's kingdom and his presence. Because again, the reality is, is we serve a big God. And we serve a big God who does incredible things. Again, if we talk about this in regards to our coming to a place of thy kingdom come, we ask for God to provide us with $500,000 to play uh, for this place, to be a part of it. Over $800,000 were given in the course of it. God does something that we look at from human standards and go, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so we put ourselves in a place where we go back and we put ourselves in a trusting relationship to him. And so the disciples go back to God and they say a couple of things in their prayer. They're saying, this is the God of all creation. A God who can speak things just by his very words and they are created. And not only that, they speak of him as the author of scripture and they go back to where David, the servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage against you? Why do people think that they can stop God's kingdom? God, by his power and by his His mercy and justice and goodness, he sets it about. He is the one who fills it. He is the one who allows his kingdom to come and to be built and nothing can ever thwart it. So we have this understanding of being focused on God's presence in the kingdom. And with that comes a deeper conviction of sin and repentance. Again, it should be as we come to the word, we should allow the word to then to minister to us and call us back into a question. And as it calls us back into repentance, then what happens as we repent, as we come and ask God to serve and to lead, then what happens is it has an impact upon the local church and upon the community. Because we want to do the things that God wants us to do. So we have a focus on God's kingdom and his presence. The second thing in our prayer is it is persistent and specific. Now, what did the disciples pray for? Now, again, it would have been very easy for them to come back and say, hey, we were just persecuted for our belief in Christ. 
Um, we were told not to speak of this again. They were imprisoned overnight at least uh, for their doing a good deed. So they, they don't even do anything bad. They're doing something good. They heal a man of being from being crippled. And so they find themselves being told not to go out and do things. They're being told to be uh, that they're going to be finding themselves in more harm, more uh, ways that they're going to be uh, threatened with things. But they don't pray that. They don't say, hey, God, please take care of the things that I'm going through. The thing that they pray for is for boldness. They say, God, you know our threats. And they also say those threats are little to him. They don't, they don't catch God off guard. God knows all the threats that we are into going to encounter. And so the thing that they pray for is that they would advance the gospel, that they would have the boldness to continue to go out. Ruth Staples uh, sent me uh, this this past week. She said, as I was reading the lesson for tomorrow morning, I was reminded of the same scripture preached by Dan Henley at the time when Northside was organized as a church. I believe that God has honored the courage and boldness of that little group so many years back. And she said, especially I remember Dan saying, and also have marked it in my Bible, make them a trophy of your grace. And she ends it, what a faithful God we serve. See, God, this is the passage that Dan Hanley spoke about when Northside was developed. God is still faithful. God is still good. God still knows the threats that we encounter. He still knows the trials that we go through. And we have seen people become trophies of grace. And so we continue to cry out to that God and we are consistently coming to him. But we also are very specific in our prayers. We should be reminding God of his promises. You said you were going to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You said that you were going to use us to build your kingdom here in Brevard County. You, God, are the one who's faithful. And so we need to be specific in our prayers and then remembering that we want God to move, not human ingenuity. If we think that we can change things, then it's, we're sadly mistaken. It has to be God who moves. And so we cry out to him, God, be very specific as you build your church. The third thing we do in regards to prayer is that we are consistent and it's corporate. First of all, we have to understand that this prayer is not just spoken one time. We don't just pray it one time on Sunday and it's done. This is something that he calls us to for a long, consistent, and hard praying. It's the church praying kingdom prayers. Not just maintenance prayers. Not just, hey, take care of uh, Susie and, and Tommy. Not that those are bad in and of themselves. That's part of being the church. But again, kingdom prayers is saying, God, you build your kingdom in spite of all the threats. God, you build your kingdom here in America when it seems like everything is going to hell in a handbasket. God does revival in the midst of hard times. So we understand that we have to be long-standing. We have to pray for this consistently. But it also says corporately, together. Now, again, to make this very practical, we have a time where people come together and they pray for the church at large and it happens at 830 in the morning. And I know some of you can't get out. I get it. It's hard for some of you to get your kids out. It's hard for some of you to get here. But are you praying? 
Are you praying at home? Are you praying with your families? Are you praying consistently the big kingdom prayers that God would build his kingdom both here and around the world? And pray very specifically. I've told you when I got to the point where, because if I'm honest, I've been sometimes in the maintenance mode. God, please take care of this. God, please don't let these people leave. God, please allow these people to come in. God, please. And it's all like, how do I take care so that this doesn't get out of hand? But the reality is that I got to the point where I'm saying, God, if you want to use Northside, then you use Northside. And it doesn't matter what I do or don't do. You're going to build your kingdom. So God, let me get out of my own head and get back into the word to allow you to move and to lead. And so I said, God, please allow people to start coming to this church and they don't even know why. And literally that day, someone came to the door and said, I don't know why, but I've just been drawn to this church and I want to know when your uh, services are on Sunday. The very day I got a message from someone on the internet calling and saying, hey, I've been out of the church for a long time and, and uh, I just need to come in. And I don't know why, but I'm going to, I want to meet with you and I want to come to church. That's God moving. And so when God moves, things happen. And so we want to make sure that we're praying those kingdom prayers and we're crying out to God. And when we cry out to God, <clears throat> the second thing that happens is it says that the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's make a distinction here between what's indwelling versus filling. Because I think this is a teaching moment. Indwelling means the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for all believers. And it's given at the moment of salvation, and it's permanent. So if you are a Christian, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit forever. However, there is an understanding of being filled with the Spirit. So there is the reality that as Christians, we can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. This is the only time in our life where we can look and God says, this is what I want you to do, and we look at that and go, I don't want to do it. The Holy Spirit might be leading you. You can say, I don't want it. So when that happens, we have to get back to the place where we allow the Spirit to occupy us, to guide us, to control us, to lead us, to give us His power. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. We allow the Spirit to move within us. We keep in step with what He's doing. And so we come alongside with what He's doing. So what is the work of the Holy Spirit? And it ends up being this. He convicts us of sin. So again, this is where we have the opportunity as we go to the word. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us in. And he says, this is the area that needs to be taken care of. This is the cancer that needs to be cut out. This is the area where you need to focus. And he convicts us of our sin, but he doesn't stop there. What he also does is he gives us assurance of God's love. God has paid for your sins past, your sins present, and the sins future. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees his son and your sins have been paid for. And he says, now you are loved before the foundation of the world and always will be loved. And you can never get outside of that. He also gives us access to the presence of God. He intercedes for us. And sometimes it says he even interprets for us. And if you've been a Christian for some years, you know that there are some times where you cannot utter um, legible words to God and you're just you're crying you're moaning but the spirit still goes on your behalf and he knows the heart and the mind of God and he knows your heart and he meshes the two and he says this is what it means to be united in Christ 
And so he takes us and he makes that presence and he intercedes for us. And then the fourth thing he does is he develops community. Now, A.W. Tozer says this. He says, people can be in tune to one another if they're tuned to the same fork. So he uses the example, he says a hundred pianos who are um, tuned to the same fork are ultimately tuned to each other. So if we are going to the scripture, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to lead us, it doesn't matter how many people are in this room, if we're tuned to the same fork, if we're tuned to the same spirit, we will be united. We will want the things that God wants, which means he creates us to be a deep and loving community. Should that's what um, what uh, Neil was talking about. Get a part of a small group. Become a part where you get to see other people's lives, where you get to do life together, where you can share concerns, where you can understand and intercede for one another, where you can begin to grasp and understand, where you can sharpen one another. Because there becomes very obvious where you become deep and loving and you become connected because we're all in tune together. And so there's the work of the Holy Spirit, but then there's something that the, over, the Holy Spirit does. He is the one who provides the growth. He's the one. He's the one who does the ministry. Does he call us? Yes. Does he want us to be available to be a part of it? Yes. But he's the one who does the moving. To the, who does the moving. Look at James 4, 2 and 3. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. The thing you need to look at is you don't have because you do not ask. How terrible would it be for us to not ask for God to move in a miraculous way in Brevard County? Are we asking? Are we asking for God's will to be done here in Northside, the church as a large and the church as a whole for the kingdom of God to be built here and around the world? Are we asking for that? And then the third thing we see is we see that the Holy Spirit empowers our mission. Now, I want you to understand because, again, and this was a little bit eye-opening for me as I did this study, is that you see disciples who were just recently cowards who become warriors. Now I want you to remember, because again, these are the same disciples who ran away when Jesus, when they came for Jesus, they ran away. And they get out of there so quickly that they lose their clothes. Some of them denied Jesus after they had just said to him, everybody else can fall away, but I will be here. I'll go to death I'll die for you, Jesus. And these are people who now found themselves just weeks before behind locked doors. Now, one of the things, and I had never seen this in Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be that of the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, I remember the whole part of the faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers. They deserve hell. What was eye-opening for me was the cowardly. So here was the cowardly that were hiding who are afraid of what might happen. And it's when the Holy Spirit comes and empowers them 
with the power of the resurrection do they become warriors who have no fear of man and they begin to trust the truth of what God has told them. And they ask not for God to fix their situations, but for them to become bold in preaching the gospel. God, if I need to be put into prison, if that's the thing that needs to happen for your kingdom to go forth, may it happen. God, if I need to be um, dealing with a long-term sickness because that's the thing that needs to build your kingdom, Lord, let me build your kingdom. God, if I need to be persecuted for my faith at whatever situation in my job, in my neighborhood, in my school, Lord, if that's what's going to build your kingdom, Lord, you build your kingdom. And so God takes the cowardly and he makes them warriors. And as he begins to make them warriors, he brings them into an awakening. An awakening. And this is where people who are sleepy and stagnant become awake. They begin to confess their sins. They begin to run back to Christ. And again, here's the difference. It's not just being sorry for our behavior. There's a change in attitude of the heart. A change of heart. Because our desires become his desires. Our wants become his wants. And so there's a change of our heart and there's a change of focus. And so what we should be asking is, God, please prepare us for revival. Because here's the reality. We can only prepare for renewal and revival. We can set the altar. We can set the sacrifice. But only God can bring the fire. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are the sacrifices. And we need to prepare ourselves for revival. We need, we need to begin to pray in such a way that God... This has started back from day one. We've always wanted to be a church of 300 to 50 to 400 people and then to plant churches around Brevard County, Bible-believing churches. That's still doable. And it needs to happen. The question is, are we preparing for it? And what are we doing? Again, we need to start preparing. We need to start thinking about having a children's ministry. We need to start thinking about um, how are you going to feel a little bit more crowded in here. We need to prepare and then continue to cry out, God, you, you change this world. And please use us to do it. So we have the opportunity this morning to come to the Lord's Supper. And this is a, a proof to us. Think of it this way. How do you know that the... the People are still going to get married. You have a bridal shower, right? We're, we're pretty assured that they're going to get married. So let's go ahead and give them a party ahead of time, give them some things, and eat some food. This is God's faithfulness to us. He says, I will build my church. It will succeed. And here's how you know. When you come together, celebrate at my table. Because it's done. And we're just waiting for it to happen here and around the world. Amen? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, again, as we come and we begin to unpack this, as we begin to look at what it means to have kingdom renewal, kingdom repentance, kingdom gospel, kingdom ministry, kingdom prayer, kingdom worship. Lord, I pray that you would, again, open all of us to the understanding that we are truly people who need to be reminded that we run to you because you are the good and faithful and loving God and you're faithful to your word. And so you will build your kingdom here as well as everything that's done in the kingdom up there. Lord, also fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. May we not be quenching or may we not be running away from the Holy Spirit, but Lord, may we be led by the Spirit daily. May we keep in step with his leading and his guidance. Lord, may we be drawn deeper into a loving relationship with him. And then, Father, empower us. Lord, please allow us to be mighty warriors for the kingdom, to go out and to spread the gospel, to heal the sick, and to set captives free. Because the only hope that anyone can ever find in this world can only be found in Jesus Christ alone. And so, Father, hear our prayer, and we know you do because you hear your Son. And so give us the power of the Holy Spirit to go and to build your kingdom here in Brevard and around the world. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.